painting to photography, from beadwork to woodworking, KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University presents Artbeat. Artbeat highlights the work and accomplishments of local artists from in and around Winona. Support for Artbeat is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. On today's Artbeat, we are at the Minnesota Marine Art Museum for the opening reception for Anna Metcalf's exhibit, Upstream. The exhibit is focused on Metcalf's decade-long investigation of the waters of the Upper Midwest and people's stories of water. We talked to Anna about the meaning behind the exhibit, how she'd create some of the pieces, and what she plans for the future. This is KJ with Anna Metcalf on Artbeat. So what inspired you to create this exhibit? That's a great question. Um, It's actually been work that I've been working on since about 2008 is the earliest. So it's been kind of, um, it's four big projects that um, have kind of all informed each other. But it's, uh, I would say the biggest inspiration for this is the Mississippi River. Um, And the... I know the river just because I live along it right now. I live in the Twin Cities. Um, But I grew up coming to visit my grandpa who lived in La Crosse. Um, And he grew up on the river and had so many stories about it. Um, And so we would always come and like go to the lock and dam and go up to granddad's bluff. And so that's like kind of the lore of my childhood. Um, And so when I moved to Minneapolis, I was like, oh, well, I should get to know this river. Um, And I realized it was actually when my grandpa got sick um, and he asked me to paint him a painting of Granddad's Bluff that I realized that uh, my experience of the river is really through other people's eyes, that I knew it because of the stories that other people told and by seeing it through my grandpa's eyes. Um, And so my one of the things that I really wanted to work on was my own understanding and my own relationship with the river, trying to understand what it meant to me um, and know it kind of like you would know a friend or um, like you know the spirit of something. And um, so as I started to like really investigate the river, I asked people, a lot of people like, so did you grow up along the river? What did you do? What are some of your favorite things? And all of those stories that I started to hear when I started asking people became this kind of like backdrop for my understanding. And so one of my, um, I'm also a storyteller. I love writing and reading stories. So one of the things that I really wanted to do was bring the experience of storytelling to other people. And um, and so that's a lot of what's in this show is a series of pieces that are storytelling pieces. They bring um, people's stories to other people. Like my work is a, the vehicle by which other people can tell stories. Um, and so it's kind of a collection of those projects um, in this space. That's amazing. Yeah, I um, I didn't grow up completely on the river, but I am from La Crosse, so that's actually pretty cool. Uh, so how did you come up with the name for the exhibit, and what is the meaning behind it? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, so Upstream is the name of the exhibit, and Upstream is also the name of one of the pieces in the exhibit. And the piece that is in the exhibit that's called Upstream is a project um, where people get to sit together and drink tea and tell stories about water. Um, And so the cups that are in the exhibit all have stories written on them that are by other people. And actually, the ones in this exhibit are written by people who are local. Um, I came down about a year and a half ago to do a couple of tea conversations here at the museum. And so what is here is actually the result of those conversations. And, um, And the reason that 
I use the word upstream for the storytelling conversation um, is because I really want people to connect with each other over water. It's such an important issue, particularly um, because of climate change and the ways in which water is becoming harder and harder to protect and it's scarce in some parts of the world. Um, and way too abundant <laughs> in other parts of the world. Um, and so a dialogue about it is really important. But the, the fact is that we're all, every single one of us, every community in the world is upstream from some other community, which means that we are responsible for sending good, clean water down to the next person who's using it in the, in the watershed. Um, and so upstream is really about the responsibilities of being upstream from another community investigating the waters of the upper Midwest? Mostly because I live here um, and also because as I look at the map of our country, yeah, I realize how like the Mississippi River affects um, like two-thirds of the country um, and so there's rivers that come from almost all the way at the East Coast and all the way out in Idaho um, that join the waters of the Mississippi River and all dump into the same spot um, and so all of us who live in that watershed which is like most of the country we share the same water like we share the same all of us have the same waters in us um, and so it's really important to me that um, because we're at the headwaters and we affect so much of what's downstream from us that we um, pay attention to like what, what kind of water we're sending downstream. Sweet. I never really thought of it like that. Do you have a favorite piece? Yeah, they're all, that's such a, it's like, um, it would be like asking a mother if she had a favorite child. <laughs> And um, so I, there's aspects of the pieces, all the pieces that I love. I'm, I think I'm most enamored with my newest piece, which is um, Upstream. It's the one that I was telling you about. And I think partly it's because it's unfinished. And so I'm interested in what the future is. Like there's still a, kind of a sparkle of like intrigue about what that means. Um, but... That's really the only reason I think I like it most. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what comes with it yeah. turning out. How long did it take you to create all the pieces displayed? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, well, it's they've all happened over the time of about 10 years. Um, and I've done other work in the middle. So um, it's not as though these four pieces have taken all of those 10 years. Um, but I would say... Part of what has made these projects successful um, is relationships with community partners. Um, and it's it takes a long time and a lot of energy to foster those relationships. Um, and so I would say each piece probably took at least two, maybe sometimes three years to dig in. Cre like the creation was probably only a couple of months, but it took a lot of prep work and relationship building in order to kind of get to the point where I can make them. So... And I still work with some of the community partners that are like present here, um, so it's kind of ongoing in that way. Um, so somewhere in between a couple of months and um, 10 years. <laughs> Big difference of time. <laughs> uh, uh, but that's, that's really great. I, I lose focus pretty easily, so doing that for so long is really awesome. Well, the good, the good thing is that I lose focus, too. <laughs> um, and the good thing about having your hand in, like, four projects at once is that you can take a break from one and move to the other. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's really nice. What is the significance behind the exhibit? I think it's really honoring 
the voices that make up the places that we live in. And here in Winona, and I think where I come from, I think where everybody comes from, there's always water. Um, and so water is so much a part, like our bodies are 70% water, which is just kind of crazy. That means that you and I are 70% the same because we drink the same water. Um, and so to me, that's really, it's profound. And it's also, um, it's such a connecting point between people. And um, so much of the work really is trying to honor that connection, the similarity, and also honor the differences that make us unique. Um, because we all have different perspectives on what that means um, and how to treat water and how to, how to be in water and what it, what it does for us. The difference between a farmer um, and someone who, uh, you know, makes boats for a living. Totally different perspectives, but water is really important, right? So um, I think, yeah, just honoring all of the unique perspectives about water. Awesome. What is your artistic process? Yeah, that's a good question because um, each piece is a little bit different, but I would say the process, there's a, there's like maybe two parts that are, that are very, both very important and they're not, one isn't more important than the other. And the first is relationship building where like I get to know people and storytelling is much, very much a part of that. So like developing a relationship and forming an intimate enough connection where people are willing to share their stories with me. Um, and so that part I think is very social and very engaged. And then the other, so that, that's like a whole practice of learning how to know people. And then the other part, of course, is the solitary time that I spend in my studio actually making objects and using clay. Um, and so for that, like, there's a lot of technical stuff. Like, I use porcelain a lot. Um, but most of the work in the show is made out of porcelain. And, um, and then I also um, you do some screen printing. So a lot of the work that is, has design on them, those designs were actually printed onto the pieces by transfer paper. Like I print it onto the paper and then I flip it over and print it onto the, the work. Learning how to do that um, and you know, becoming proficient at that was a whole part of my process. Um, and then also, of course, um, the installation part of that, which is designing how to present the work itself in, in some kind of space like this. Um, and um, so the problem solving um, as we were installing this show I was joking with the curators um, who were installing the work that being an artist is actually being part physicist part electrician um, part engineer <laughs> um, and really that's like all that problem solving is super fun for me too <laughs> awesome yeah you gotta, gotta know a lot of stuff to learn <laughs> to do this uh, how did you get into clay and chromatics yeah, I um, took. Uh, well, I was. I went to a really tiny high school. Um, in fact, there were like seventy-three students that graduated from my high school with my class. So it was really small, um, and that was the whole county. Um, and so we had one art teacher, and of course, I was like really into art when I was in high school. But I kept on taking the same art class over and over again. So. Um, she was the one that suggested, hey, you might actually be interested in taking something different. Um, and so the guidance counselor at school helped me find a class at one of the community colleges that wasn't so far away. I, have to, I had to drive about an hour to go to this class, but I, and it happened to be ceramics. And I just chose it because it fit into my schedule and it was something new I'd never done before. Um, and when I got there and 
touched clay for the first time, it was like magic. And I thought I had died and gone to heaven. It was like, oh, this is the stuff that I love. And so from then, I always just tried to fit it into my schedule. Yeah, and I um, I really wanted to keep on going with it. Um, and so I, I took it in college, and then I did an apprenticeship, and then I went to graduate school. So um, that's I, I've really been investigating it as a medium. So we kind of talked a little bit about how long it took you to create a lot of these pieces. How long does it take to create just one cup? Yeah, that's a great, that's a good question. Um, so <laughs> there's also a complicated answer there because um, one of the ways in which, of course, I guess you learn how to make a cup over many years. Um, and so there's many, many years of work that goes into making one cup. Um, so I have a mentor who says, um, uh, it takes me about um, half an hour and 30 years to make a cup. So again, a, a convoluted answer, but I would say um, the short answer is about, I would say for one cup, it's about a half an hour. Um, and the process that I go through is to create the um, the original prototype. And then I, with these cups, um, I so I threw the original um, prototype on a potter's wheel. Um, and then I took a plaster cast of it. And then I did something called slip casting out of that plaster cast. Um, and I'm able to replicate cups really quickly that way. And um, and so then from there, once I have replicated it and cast a cup, a, ca a casting usually takes about 15 minutes or so. Um, and then I could pull it out of the mold and then I, I screen print the stories onto it um, and I would say that process also takes kind of a long time in prep and then uh, and then like the process itself takes takes about like five minutes um, and then the, it goes through a bisque firing and then it goes through a glaze firing and so like per every cup it's about a half an hour um, but there's lots of sort of prep work that goes into actually making that possible. Yep, the only experience I really had with any of this was making little clay cups uh, in elementary school. Awesome. How do you get messages from people and put them onto the cups? Yeah, that's a great um, question too because it's uh, a, there's um, it's a it's a long kind of process in that it starts with them writing their message on a piece of paper and then I take that piece of paper and scan it into my computer um, and then I print it out as a transparency and I use that transparency to create a screen out of it um, like you would screen print a t-shirt and then I screen it backwards onto a piece of paper um, using uh, cobalt. So I have ink that has cobalt in it. And then, um, and then I take the piece of paper and press it into the clay cup so that it goes on forwards. Um, and so uh, that whole process is essentially, it's a screen printing and transfer process that I use. Yeah. Awesome. Is there one message that you were given that stood out more than any other? So. What happens with the cups is that I put the stories onto the cups and then other people read them. And so there was one instance um, where I, I received a story from a young woman whose family came to Minnesota from Thailand. They were Hmong refugees. Um, and her story was really interesting because it, in, in its 
acknowledgement of the Mississippi, it also recalled the Mekong River. Um, and her family had to cross the Mekong River to safety in order to then come to the United States. And she remembered crossing the Mississippi River when they entered into Minnesota. Um, and so her story said um, to all of my family members who were lost in this process, um, you know, I want to acknowledge them. That's just paraphrasing what she said. Um, and then, and then I that cup um, as a, a story was um, read and understood by several other people. Um, you know, in the process of um, having tea with them, and it really profoundly affected the people who read them. And so then their stories also became really important to me. So that um, kind of exchange of story that was started with that young woman's story, um, I think is probably one of the most impactful. That's amazing. Okay, so in your video that you have talking about it, do you really ride in winter on a bike and <laughs> deliver tea? You know, um, that video was shot in April. As you might imagine, in normal circumstances, that would be spring, but we happened to get, we had a really long winter when, it was last winter when that video was made. Um, and so um, when we planned the video shoot for that day and, um, and the videographer said, well, I mean, this is Minnesota and it is April. <laughs> um, and so um, I do... Yes, um, but not very frequently, um, mostly because uh, it's just, it's a kind of a clunky machine and I actually, um, I want to make sure that um, I don't put myself or any, especially motorists at risk. So that was a unique circumstance. Um, but I do, um, I do use that, that tricycle for um, making, yeah, delivering tea, bringing tea to people and also having picnics with people. Awesome. I would not have done that even if it was like that. Um, I'll give you a little secret. It has a little electric motor on it. Um, and so I can actually haul about 600 pounds on that thing. It's kind of an amazing thing. It was built by a bike builder in the um, metro area. Um, his, the bike builder's name is Eric Norin. And he... Um, uh, it goes by Peacock Groove is his bike company. And he's an incredibly talented bike builder. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, what would you like people to take away from this exhibit? I think that what I want people to take away from the exhibit is the, like, the full understanding that we are all connected to one another through our water, um, and that what that means um, is that we have a responsibility, um, and and that we have commonality, that we're all humans together on this planet, um, and that. That means that we can work, we, can, we have the choice. We can work together um, to make sure that our water is healthy and clean for the next generation. Um, and also um, that we really are made of the same stuff. That's amazing. Uh, do you have any more projects in the works for the future or any plans at all? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, Upstream project is kind of ongoing, so I'll be doing more tea conversations. Um, actually, probably here at the museum, we'll be doing some tea um, conversations. Um, and then in the spring, I'll, I'm uh, planning a little tour de tea um, uh, because I have a, um, <laughs> a cargo trailer that I've converted into a tea room that I'm hoping to actually bring down to the museum in April um, and do a little tour of tea. And um, so I'm really excited about what that 
means for having tea with people um, and the ability for me to actually pick it up and move it kind of across the country or wherever I want to go feels really exciting to me so um, I'm really I'm hoping that that will open up more doors and, um, and and especially give me the opportunity to meet a whole lot more people awesome that sounds really interesting <laughs> uh, where can we learn more about you as an artist and also more about the exhibit yeah, that's a great um, question, too, because there's a couple different ways. So the first is to go to the Minnesota um, Marine Art Museum's website. Um, and there's it's um, mmam.org, and then there's um, a backslash upstream. We'll bring you to the bit about this particular show. Um, and then uh, my own personal website has information about the projects, too, and that's Anna Metcalf, A-N-N-A, and M-E-T-C-A-L-F-E at um, dot com is the yeah it's easy as easy as that <laughs> as easy as that uh, so how long will your exhibit be up until May 5th so um, all the way through the spring awesome uh, thank you so much Anna it was lovely meeting you and seeing your exhibit in person is really inspiring thank you so much it's been lovely to talk to you too thank you again to Anna Metcalf for joining us on our beat to learn more about Anna's exhibit, go to mmam.org backslash upstream. To stream today's episode or any other episode of Artbeat, go to kqal.org under Media Program Archives. This is KJ on Artbeat. Artbeat is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us on the web at kqal.org. Is art an important part of your life? Tune into Artbeat, Tuesdays at 12.30, right here on 89.5 KQAL. Artbeat is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.